Morrison, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, right now on uh, television this morning, confirming that, uh, yes, those Pfizer doses have arrived from, of all places, Poland overnight. Uh, And uh, just over half of them, 530,000, we're told, of the one million doses will go to hotspot areas in in Sydney southwest. David Shubridge joins us on the program. Good morning to you, David. Yeah, morning, Marcus. Can I just uh, say, first and foremost, well done last week. Uh, It was a difficult week, uh, but I think it needed to be done. And uh, I'm sorry to say, but I kind of got the impression that the state's health minister doesn't like accountability or certainly being asked questions about why we're facing a lockdown, what's the health advice, all the rest of it. I mean, he was very clear and he was very actually, I thought, abrupt with you and uh, your colleagues messaging of, uh, questioning of him on, on, you know, why we're at this spot. Yeah, it was more than a little frustrating chairing that meeting, uh, Marcus. We, we, we said to the government for about three weeks, we'd, we'd made we made the decision that we needed to have the hearing um, and we needed to hear particularly from Kerry Chant and the health officials. But we thought it was only right to extend the invitation to the health minister because obviously questions would be asked that it would be appropriate to have the health minister answer in addition. Uh, what we initially said was we would like the two of them there um, for the first 45 minutes and yeah. then just Dr Chant for the second 45 minutes because we've had a case before of the minister talking over witnesses and making it very difficult. Um, we had a series of engagements with the minister. He refused to agree to that arrangement. He wanted to be there the whole time. He only wanted to be there for an hour. And, and we basically, as, as the chair, I just went back and said, look, you know, we're in a crisis. We understand, but we think you should be there. We can have the senior health minister, the senior health officials there for an hour and a half. We'd like you there for, for, for half of that. Yep. He refused to agree to any of that. And then as, as we kind of uh, predicted, although we hope not, he really just talked over Kerry Chant the whole time. Well, he did. <laughs> and... Um, he didn't allow. He didn't allow the uh, the chief health officer to answer questions. He interrupted her constantly, and he also said at one stage, uh, "If you uh, continue to interrupt him, that he'd walk out." Uh, he and he, he questioned why on earth uh, you would even dare uh, question the chief health officer and the health minister at such a such a time. I would have thought this is the time for accountability this is the time Mm. to ensure that you know all sides are you know we're we're all constantly told by the the state and federal government that we're all in this together well not obviously we're not if we're not all singing off the same sheet we can't be doing that unless we all see the sheet well i mean i think that was one of the core things we wanted to get out of the hearing was well is there public health advice is it in writing can we please have it provided so that the now seven and a half million people who have been put into lockdown can actually see the advice under which the government is acting or see things that the government has chosen not to adopt. Now, there yeah. may be reasons why the government chooses not to adopt one element of the health advice because it's a complex decision. You've got to take into account the economics, all the social factors and the like. But surely we have a, a reasonable right for transparency from the government. If, if they want us to follow... Um, follow follow all their directions, you know, and accept that, that everything's been done in good faith. That comes with a series of obligations. It comes with accountability and it comes with transparency. And, and it was very clear to me we had a huge display of arrogance last week, um, hubris and arrogance and contempt for accountability. And 
And that doesn't breed the relationship of trust we need, and, and particularly while Parliament's not sitting. So we don't have other opportunities. Well, that's right. There's no other... checks and balances in place, David. This is supposed to be, a, you know, a democracy. Uh, and, of course, we, we do live in a democracy, but part of that is the ability for opposing uh, political parties and those with perhaps uh, different ideals to be able to question uh, why uh, it, very important decisions are being made. I was bitterly disappointed I was, and it came across to be, to be perfectly frank, as, you know, it was almost like the health minister was trying to hide something. Well, every time there are a series of occasions where, where Dr Chan was about to begin answering or beginning answering, and then he just bulldozed over her so as we couldn't hear directly from Dr Chan what her advice was, when it had been given, what she thought about the next steps were. And and to be honest, um, I, I think the, the crossbench, you know, I'm a member of the Greens. I'm not a, I'm not part of the government. I'm part of the parliament, but not part of the government. The, the Labor opposition, we'd spoken in detail, including with the um, the coalition MPs on that on that inquiry. And it was very clear we were trying to be what I, what I would describe as a loyal opposition. A loyal opposition in a moment of crisis is on board with the ultimate goals, keeping us safe, reducing the transmission, yes. getting the public health advice. We're on board with that. But we have an obligation in the course of that to hold the government to account, to ask the tough questions, to make sure the right decisions are being done. And that's what we were doing. And that's what the government was so angry about, so, so angry that they were being tested in, in a forum, format other than that 11am press conference, which is a bit of a circus run by the government. All right, well, and, just just yeah. on that, I spoke to Jenny Aitchison this morning and um, she's talking about how perhaps Andrew Constance, uh, through the Department of Transport and, and other ministers, haven't had a, a COVID plan for things like, well, uh, you know, train drivers... Cap going into isolation and, and bus drivers, as we know, uh-huh. the, the public transport has been thrown into a bit of chaos late last week with the bus drivers and train drivers uh, being affected by COVID. Where's the plan be? But more, just as importantly, it almost appears to me that apart from the 11 a.m. press conference and the occasional tweet sent out by, you know, on a statewide lockdown afternoon. We're not hearing from any of the other ministers. Where is the no. transport minister? Have they all been gagged, have they? It, it appears they have, just like Kerry Chant. Where's the transport minister? Where's the education yes. minister? You know, yes. um, these, these, these people who... Look, I mean, I have many political disagreements with Andrew Constance and with the education minister and with a bunch of those other ministers. But the more people you have in a room um, tossing around hard ideas and coming to a, hopefully a consensus the better the decision is likely to be. If this is all being done basically out of the Premier's office, out of a bubble in the Premier's office with maybe a chat with Perrottet here and there, the Treasurer, that's almost certainly not going to be giving us the kind of um, uh, detailed consideration from multiple viewpoints that are necessary when you're in a crisis. No, not and, at all. And, and, and I, think, I think we're seeing that now. You know, a very tight group of people um, uh, controlling all the decisions, controlling all the information... And my real fear is that that is a very, very substandard way of dealing with a crisis. Look, you well, know, look where we, we are, David. Look, it's not working. Whatever they've been doing is not working. Mm. Well, I would say after the... Um, well, I agree with you on that, Marcus. <laughs> but the, uh, after that inquiry, we then had the education minister and the education officials the next day. And what's also clear to me was there's no, no real coherent plan to get the HSC up and running. They don't even have numbers about the number of kids who are attending online lessons. Um, they haven't got visibility about the number of kids that are falling through the, the digital divide. 
that the core things you think would be front and centre of the education system right now aren't being done. And one of the reasons is they're not talking to the teachers. You know, in, in education, they're not talking yep. to the teachers' federation. Yep. They're not talking to the teachers. They're, and, 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 you know, one of the more bizarre things that came out last week was the return to school plan um, um, is actually now been partly workshopped through four consultants out of KPMG. That's right. One of whom is a former British paratrooper. That's None right. of whom have health or education expertise. You know, outsourcing, again, outsourcing yeah. vital uh, decisions and vital right. important information that needs to be provided by the people of New South Wales. Rather, you're right. Rather than speaking to the education unions of all yeah. uh, you know shapes and sizes, I, you get a you get a consultancy firm in. And thank goodness for the education unions doing what they did and and pushing back against that thought bubble that the Premier had to put all HSC students across Greater Sydney. They were meant to be all back at school today yes, under were. the Premier's thought bubble from a fortnight ago. And mm. the teachers union straight away said, well, how can you do that? Show us the public health advice. This looks reckless and dangerous. And um, they ran a very effective campaign. to to, And I think that that has had a major public health benefit. Because imagine with the numbers we're seeing now, with the um, transmission across Greater Sydney we're seeing. Now, imagine having, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 HSC students returning, going to classrooms today. I mean, it would have just been reckless is not even the word for it. And, All right. Yeah. Just before I let you go, just on this issue of accountability and who's making what decision, uh, it's pretty clear that I believe uh, maybe uh, you've got something on this you can add has the New South Wales Police Minister been left out of these crisis cabinet decisions? Uh, I could sense the frustration, the utter frustration from David Elliott. Uh, finally, I think the Premier relented and agreed to a, a greater police presence. But up until a, a certain point over the weekend, it was almost as if the police minister and uh, the uh, police commissioner were both being ignored or at least left out of these discussions. I mean, that's the impression I got from... Uh, from David himself. Yeah. Well, I don't have a lot of time for David Elliott. He and I fundamentally disagree politically, but I can't work out the um, I can't work out the rationale that has the police commissioner as the person in charge of the COVID management response, and that's the system they have in place. I don't think it should be the police commissioner. I think it should be a senior public health official. But that's the system the government has put in place. So the police commissioner is in charge of the overall emergency response, but then you don't have the police minister in the crisis cabinet, dealing with the emergency response. Now, those two things don't fit well together and they haven't been fitting well together. I personally think that public health response should be led by public health officials, not by the police. But if you're going to have the police commissioner as the, the big owner in charge of everything, well, then it's pretty hard to understand how you have a crisis cabinet that doesn't include the police minister. And then, you know, again, we've got these structures, these very opaque structures for decision-making. Yeah. Now, I say again... You can't police your way out of a pandemic. What we need well, is more, support, more public health, more public health, more public health support, yeah. more financial David, support. They but, obviously are trying to. I mean, look at uh, how many police are on the beat yeah. today, and we've called in the army. They're trying to police their way out of it. Yeah. Well, the, if you want people to stay at home, give them information, get them to trust the decisions you're making, be transparent with the community, and provide the financial support that people need to stay at home, particularly in Western and South Western right. cities. That's how it works. Okay, mate. That's how we get through this.